Hello and welcome to the Next in Line podcast where we are helping to prepare you for whatever is next in line. As always, I'm your host, Chance Pitts, and I'd like to thank you for tuning into this episode. Guys and gals, before we get too deep into this episode, which is an awesome uh, recap episode of the Pitts pacing crew going out to help Dan Gilliam with his race in Arizona, the Cocodona 250, this past week, I want to take care of the housekeeping. If you receive value or entertainment from this episode of the Next in Line podcast, I would ask that you share the show with like-minded individuals who could receive that same kind of value. That's the number one way for us to grow this podcast, grow the movement, and to help as many people as possible. Now, guys, you can also leave us a rating or review on whatever platform you find yourself listening on. You can give us a follow on social media. That's at Next in Line Development on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok. We'd love to have you there. If you have any questions, comments, concerns about any of the announcements or anything that's said during the podcast, you can also shoot us a DM on those platforms, and that'll be the fastest way to get in touch with us. Now, guys, moving into the announcements, um, we just finished up pacing at Habanero. So the next running events that we have on the books are going to be Ricochet's Riot, which is a 50K, uh, plus some shorter distances as well for anybody interested in that, um, out in Colleen, Texas on June 10th. Following that, guys, we'll be out at Habanero 100. That's Habanero in Cat Spring, Texas on August 12th, uh, we're doing the Habanero Relay. It sounds like we're going to have several teams out there. So if you want to be a part of that, guys, make sure you get with us. Shoot us a DM, let us know, and we'll find a place for you guys, uh, whether you're experienced or whether you're just looking out there to uh, to get out there to make yourself grind through it and get a little bit more uh, resilient. you got a great group of people out there to do it with you. And then, guys, we also have the KD225 in October coming up. That's my 225-mile ultramarathon, kind of the uh, um, large, very main headline race, if you will, for what we're trying to do this year and accomplish. Uh, so super excited about that. And then we're going to follow up on December 2nd, uh, going and crewing and pacing for the Brazos Bend 100. Guys, if you're interested in any of those events, give us a holler. Let us know. Like I said, at Next In Line Development on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok. We'd love to hear from you there. Now, guys, what we have here is a recap of us going out, that's my father, Billy Pitts, and I, to Arizona to go pace the Cocodona 250 for Dan Gilliam. Um, This is the Just Pacing Crew podcast. Um, I look forward to getting Dan on the episode to actually recap the entire race and to also talk a little bit about his story um, and just his life and the journey that he's been on, which is a spectacular one as well. But I'm going to give him a little bit more time to process that race. And for now, we're going to dive into this episode. So please enjoy this podcast with my dad, Mr. Billy Pitts. All right. Well, it's been a long week, but here we are. How are you doing, Pops? I'm doing good. How are you doing, Chance? Doing good. I like that hat you got there. I know, man. It looks really good. Kind of like yours. Yeah, a little spiffy. If anybody doesn't know, we were out there this past couple of days pacing dan gilliam for the uh cocodona 250 last 60 miles or so that's about right yeah yeah um it was a really good time uh tired Uh, i can't imagine what he feels like right now um and as mentioned in the intro we'll catch you up with dan um here pretty soon but for now this is just going to be a little bit of a crew slash pacer recap from my dad and me um, we'll get into the weeds of the actual race and everything that went on with Dan. Um, he's agreed to get on the show, so we'll do that probably sometime in the next month or so. But, That'll be cool. 
Yes, sir. Uh, but for now, man, uh, you just want to dive into kind of the story of how everything went down? Yeah, man. Um, shoot. Yeah. You asked me to come out and help out or you asked me if I'd be interested. And I said, shoot, let's do it. You know, just like all of these things we've kind of gotten into. But uh, yeah, I flew out there, got the rental car, picked you up from the airport. And we just hauled straight to where he was at to meet him because he was waiting for us uh, about a two hour drive and got up there. Uh, where were we at? Munns Park? Munns Park was where we caught him, yes, sir. And um, got there about uh, right before 10 o'clock, and then you were ready to go like shortly after 10 o'clock. I mean, it was quick. You were on the trail. Absolutely. Uh, for anybody that doesn't know, first off, Cocodona 250 is a 250-mile ultramarathon uh, that runs from Black Canyon City all the way to Flagstaff, Arizona. Um, it is a crazy course, uh, 40,000 foot of elevation or something like that over the duration. Um, and Dan was already about three quarters of the way done with the race, uh, roughly probably a little bit more than that. Whenever we caught up to him at Munns park, um, He's around one ninety, I think on the mileage. Yeah, we had, uh, we had some prior obligations. I had gotten asked to attend a leadership training for work. Um, so that's why we got there, got there a little bit later in the week, but Dan had some awesome pacers out there, uh, including his fiance, Grace as well, uh, who's a rock star out there. Um, as far as a crew goes, wow. um, amazing. yeah, all just genuinely awesome. Um, and there's some awesome people as well. Um, and just a little backstory. So we ran into in my first hundred miler, um, habanero 100, I was running that race and a guy from California named Todd Flavin showed up out there. Um, and he parked next to us. He didn't have a crew, didn't have pacers or anything. Um, and we kind of, he was completely self-supported and did his own thing, but we also took him in as best we could. Um, I think somebody fed him a burger from our crew, let him chill out in the tent, um, for a little while, but, uh, he did a good job out there. And, um, uh, Meeting Todd was cool. Uh, got him plugged in. He was uh, started listening to the podcast a little bit and passed it on to Dan. And that's how we initially met Dan through social media. Um, and then you were running the Rocky Raccoon back in February. And Dan was also running that same race over in Huntsville. And that's where we had a probably one minute conversation. <laughs> um just saying hello actually seeing each other in meeting and it was really cool um and shortly after that we received a message from him saying hey uh if y'all have nothing going on and you want to come pace for me at Cocodona you're more than welcome to and uh where most people would probably be like you know that's a that's a long way to go to go pace somebody uh it's a it's, it's a flight and rental cars and stuff like that uh, we came running right <laughs> we said why not why not Man, that, who knows when you're going to get to do something like that again? Exactly, and man, I I'll tell you, I know I know he told us countless times that we helped him out a lot in that situation. But the truth is, man, I I learned so much, and it was so cool seeing him out there. Um, I don't know what your what your big takeaways were, but and to see somebody grind it out like that, and then seemingly get stronger as the, we go further into the race, overcoming some really big issues. I mean, that was just crazy to me. I know with a section that I was out there with him, um, I was out there and my hip had been kind of bothering me before we ever went, but it started flaring up on some of the climbs and I'm like starting to whine in my head. And I'm like, I'm like, you gotta be kidding me. Quit whining, quit crying. This guy's run over 200 miles and I'm following him up this mountain, <laughs> up yeah. this hill. I'm like, okay, I can do this. I can manage, I can manage my little part here. Suck it up. <laughs> 
Yeah, I know. He's just like a mountain goat, like a machine just going up those rocks and mountains too out there. It's wild. Um, and and we'll dive into all that. But um, the first section, whenever we caught him at 10 p.m. Uh, with headlamps and full uh, hydration bladders and uh, soft flasks and all that stuff and just loaded down with gear, we took off into the night out of Munns Park um that stretch was 19 and a half miles and uh we climbed up to i want to say like was it seven thousand foot of elevation or something like that up on the ridge that we went up to um and man it was crazy i've never seen anything like some of the things we ran into up there um the wind chill and everything it was 25 degrees up there on those logging roads um they had had bad storms come in so parts of the trail uh, had hit I think 60 mile an hour winds whenever it was gusting um, and ripped some of the trees down. So you were crawling over and around and under trees um, on those logging roads. Man, we found people that were lost up there that were trying to find the trail that uh, luckily we had downloaded that file to our watch and we were using navigation. So people were just tagging along with us, getting pointed in the right direction. Um, And man, we'd see people huddled up under trees with an emergency blanket it because was, that was that was notable because it got cold up there. Uh, I don't know if it was the mountain air or what it was, but it seemed like the cold just kind of cut through. It it you had a bite. Yeah, yeah. It, it had a bite to it that was just unreal. Um, but yeah, you no know, heading heading down those roads, we found all kinds of people that were in like really weird bad spots. Um, and it was kind of a good thing we ran across a couple of them. They stuck with us and got pointed in the right direction uh, as some of the trails just cut across off the main road and onto an open field kind of thing. So it was really kind of crazy, but um, it worked out for the best, I think. And and we rounded out that first, uh, I don't know, it was probably about nine, 10 miles to get over to the Kelly uh, Canyon aid station up there on top of the ridge as well, uh, which is a non-crew aid station. So it was just me and Dan um, and we came into that, at aid station and man, um, between the cold, uh, between how far we were into the race, cause we were what, 210 mile or sorry, about 200 miles flat Jeez. into that race. Mm-hmm. Um, there was just a lot of people that were just, man, kind of just hanging out around the fires, trying to get warm, uh, waiting for the sunrise, trying to scarf down some food. I mean, there was a lot of people in dark, dark places. Um, that's not saying anything bad about them. That's, I mean, at that point in the race, I couldn't imagine going through that, but, uh, that was, that was a little bit crazy, man, to, to get up there in the mix on that and, and be kind of a witness to what was going on up there and people falling apart, you know? But with all of that, I got your text saying that you had arrived at that aid station. I was like, already? You guys yeah. are moving pretty good, you know? Yeah, though, that's that's the truth. We picked up, man. We were moving at a fast clip going up there. Um, and because of that energy, I mean, Dan's going to talk about that, I'm sure. Uh, but because of that energy in there, it was just like you walked into a, a funeral. You know, it was it was bad, just negative, like kind of pull you down, suck you in, make you want to stay there. And uh, because of that, we booked it out of there we got as much food as we could in our bellies uh refilled our bladders and stuff like that and uh started the long stretch uh through the night through the cold out to fort tuthill um and we man we saw some cool looking skies saw some awesome sights it opened up up in logging country up there um just beautiful forest and if it wasn't freezing cold up there because to be honest we 
packed decently well for the cold, but it just, it was still cutting through everything we had. I had some thin leggings on, um, pair of running shorts over those. Um, and then for the top, I had a t-shirt, I had a long sleeve. Um, and then I believe on top of that was my, uh, my rain jacket. And that was it with a, uh, with a pair of gloves on and maybe a, uh, a beanie on my head. And man, it was all we could do to, to keep moving and start doing some running, um, just to stay warm, you know? Right. Right. <clears throat> which yeah. that's that's another thing knowing like seeing how he was still running after putting in 200 miles like that that was at that point i knew we were going in the right direction and we were going to do some cool stuff coming out of there you know yeah. um and then i think in the meantime in the background uh you and grace rolled over to walnut is that right yes we rolled over to walnut uh no we rolled over to fort tuttle Fort Tuttle, that's right. We were going to Fort Tuttle out of Katie or uh, Kelly. We ran over there right quick, and then we caught a few winks while we were waiting on you guys to get there. Yeah, what? Uh, how many? How long did you end up getting to sleep? Because that was your first sleep you'd gotten that night. About three and a half hours or so. About yeah. three and a half hours of sleep. Yeah. Um, and at which point we came into uh, to Tuthill earlier than y'all thought as well. Um, I think we yeah, came in around. Yeah, came in around four, just past four a.m. I think. I think about um, four. 423 i got it on my phone where you called me and said we're here i was like yeah oh, man. man we rolled in and uh and it was it was cool you know we uh we came in and um got dan some food his feet were bothering him pretty good at that point i think uh so grace came in did some taping up um got him some i think we got him Great some time. food and maybe a little bit of medicine um and that's yeah. one thing I, you can probably talk about grace's tape better than i can but she's a wizard with that stuff man Oh man, she just, she read a book about it and learned it herself because she figured she was going to have to do that kind of stuff. And man, she's awesome. She, uh, she was actually getting, uh, having to tape up other people as well because she was so good at it, even though there was medical attention at those aid stations, yeah. she was doing a great job with it. Yeah. I think, I think she even volunteered medical at one of the, uh, aid stations. I don't remember yeah. which one it was, but it was earlier in the race. Um, but yeah, she was doing an awesome job. And, um, like, like you had mentioned, I woke you up from your nap so we could swap out our, our aid stations. And, uh, um, right then and there, that was kind of the conclusion of the 19 and a half spot from, uh, Munns park out to Fort Tuthill for me. So if you want right. to carry into the next part of that. No, we got ready to go. And he was like, say, getting his himself ready to go. And, uh, we headed out from there. The sun was just starting to come up. Um, it comes up early out there. And uh, we headed out, we headed on that. We actually, we saw a couple of people when we came out of there, then we saw no one for a long time. And it was like single track uh, trails where we had to follow each other in, into the woods and stuff. And elevation got fairly high, but um, we saw no one for a long time. And um, uh, we just, I just tried to keep him pumped up, keep him his mind going. We were talking and, and just keeping his mind off of the hurting and the pain that he knows going on all over his body throughout that time. So, but, uh, we, we just worked through that part of it. Then we got into some climbing that we had to do and that dude can climb I'm telling you what, Dan, Dan can go up some hills. And, uh, I was, I was, like I was saying earlier, I was thinking, man, my hips kind of bother me. I'm kind of whining and I'm looking at him over 200 miles and he's just going up the hill. Like, all right, suck it up. You got to go. Come on. Yeah. And, uh, but we stayed together and, um, you know, I paced him from behind for a while. I paced him from in front for a while to 
just just trying to change things up, keep his mind going. And we got into some uh, once we uh, well, we had other runners that started because they started another race, I think a 36 mile race at some point that morning. And um, so we had other runners that kind of started coming by us and stuff. But uh, we also got into some uh, some downhill, then in some uphill. We had some pretty good climbing to do toward the end of it, especially. And that section ended up being 17 and a half miles. But uh, he did really well. I mean, when you're that when you're that far along in a race, uh, you have like spurts. And I'm no ex- expert, but just from what I've seen with you and seen uh, from my 100 mile and then seen with Dan there, you have uh, spurts in there where you feel really good. And there were some moments where we ran ran for some stretches in there, and then all of a sudden the fatigue hit him, and uh, we would be walking again. And then and, and uh, you could tell. Like almost he was standing there, almost just kind of teetering a little bit there where he was just kind of zoning out a little bit and be like, hey, come on, let's go, you know. And um, I think it's I don't some of those people that don't have pacers out there, man, hats off to them. It's tough because it's all in your head. You know, Uh, you got to keep yourself going. But uh, and he was outstanding. There's no doubt that he would have made it without pacers. But I was glad that we were there to to be able to experience it and, and help him, you know, in every way we could. Yeah, no, absolutely. There's, there's not a doubt in my mind either that he would have made it. Um, I know, I know we were able to hip, help pick up that pace and drive it along a little bit, which is awesome. Um, I think we, we kind of put a good solid amount of hours, uh, a handful to ten hours, somewhere in between there, um, on some of the people that he was close to uh, back at yeah. the point that we joined in Munns Park. So, uh, seeing that that kind of impact on it puts something kind of tangible in your hands, and makes it a little bit cooler to see so but i agree he was trucking right along and he was doing dang good um so i was i was really glad we got to keep pushing him through and uh y'all guys started out i think just before five and the sun was coming up over there in uh tut hill yeah. and y'all made it to uh to walnut canyon probably about right. what what was that 11 30 ish somewhere in there yeah i knew it was somewhere in there yeah and uh, the whole thing was we all along we were talking about you know, on the stretch you guys did last, wanting to get up that peak. And I know we're going to talk about that, but we're trying to get up that peak before sunset was a was a big goal we had. So we were all working together to try to make sure that we we got things going along and not pushing too hard, but but pushing enough that we could hit those those goals. And you can speak on that. But yeah, we came we came into Walnut. Um, you know, he was he was tired, but we were feeling pretty good that we got the Walnut, and then uh, he recharged and. And you got ready to go out again, and uh, uh, y'all had some food for us when we got in as well. So I mean, that was that was great too. Yeah, no, absolutely. Grace did a great job with that too. I I kind of passed out, got about two and a half hours of total sleep, uh, fell asleep a couple yeah. of times, um, and she ran and got breakfast and uh, kind of get everybody fueled back up and headed in the right direction. Um, and yeah, we heard y'all were coming in. We were track uh, watching y'all on the live tracker. Um, that's another thing about this race. It was just so well put together. You could track exactly where everyone was. Um, it predicted to where them when they were going to get to their aid stations and waypoints and things like that. Um, so it was just really cool to see that and have that tool because it made it really easy as pacers and crew um, to know exactly when we needed to get our stuff ready to uh, get ready to jump back into those races. And, you know, whenever y'all come into Walnut, I had all my gear laid out and everything. And I think uh, I think Dan decided to take a nap. He was going to lay down for like. I think an hour was the first uh, first game plan that he was going to do. And, man, he made it 15 minutes, and he was back up and ready to roll. Um, 
at that point he yeah. was pretty dang tired um he's getting a little bit delirious in there and uh and goofy and, and everything so it was it was kind of fun we knew we were going to have a rough time but kind of knew we also needed to make sure he stayed on track and pushed through um it didn't stop for too too much and get stowed up and everything like that as well um but y'all y'all rocked it just as well um y'all came out of that that stretch that we talked about right there tut hill to walnut canyon um really making a lot of good progress i know y'all got passed by some the 36ers as they came through and he was talking about catching them and, and seeing who he could beat and i think in the end he ended up beating a couple of the 36ers to the finish he line did. yeah he did so that was pretty cool to see uh, i know he was fired up about that um but after getting some food after getting repacked um we knew that the next stretch was long it ended up being 22 and a half miles from walnut canyon back up to the uh, finish line in flagstaff um, and we started that in the 12 o'clock hour and rolled out of there. We had to make sure we had everything on us, you know, uh, cause there was not another aid station where the crews had access to us. So there was no grabbing cold gear from somebody later. There was no grabbing the lights or headlamps, extra food. Uh, we knew we had a water station and then one more aid station up at Eldon at the top of the mountain. Uh, but there was a lot of calorie burn and a lot of hours and miles in between uh, Walnut Canyon and getting to that aid station up on top of Eldon. So it was a uh, it was going to be pretty tough, and we knew that, so we packed accordingly coming out of there. You know. And then you guys, you guys had a heck of a climb. You guys to get up to Eldon. What were what was the elevation of Eldon? Um, I'm not sure exactly what it was. I know it crept up towards 10,000. Uh, was it like 2,800 feet of elevation gain or something like that? Where we were at, so we were at like around 7,000 ish or right under. Yeah, I think it was two. bumping around 10k. I know the other reason you wanted to get on and off that thing before dark because they were talking about temperatures being nine degrees at night up on that mountain. So, yeah, that was and, the other reason. No, absolutely. Seeing nine degree temperatures and then spoiler alert, uh, we got up there to the top of it and we crossed over like five or six different snow patches of snow still being up there um, just to kind of demonstrate how cold it still was on top of that mountain um, and how weird the weather was, honestly. Um, but we did. We had some we caught some flat in the low valleys and we were in probably like the 60s uh, coming out of the aid station down there out of Walnut Canyon. And we uh, trekked a little bit out of there, um, did some power hiking more than anything, uh, just trying to get his feet back under him. He was fighting some blisters and a callus and a couple other things that I'm sure we'll touch on later. Um, but really keeping him going, keeping his mind off of things, just talking about several different things. Uh, I know y'all talked about some crazy stuff out there. We dove into some movies. Uh, we're quoting Braveheart and a couple of others at times um, and just kind of keeping morale up and keeping them going. Um, I'll let and, him talk about some of those things if he wants to. We talked about all kinds of crazy stuff, but whatever we could to get his mind off of the pain and the hurting and the blisters and calluses and all that kind of stuff and just keep himself going one step at a time. It, so it was, it was really cool. Yeah. And man, while we're on that, um, before we get into Eldon, one of the biggest things, um, that kind of, I guess we could explain here is what we do as pacers, you know, um, it's not necessarily, yeah, we increased his pace and kept him on track. Um, but it's just as much, um, kind of as a safety thing, as a motivator, uh, there's a few different factors, um, 
one was uh monitoring he he would take naps so during these races you don't get to sleep just a ton at one time um obviously because you're beat up banged up you're in pain so you don't get good sleep for one but also you don't want to sit down and have your muscles tighten up on you um and all that so he you what uh what was the length of the naps he took whenever you were with him we didn't. I mean, he, he mentioned it a couple of times. He's like, man, that spot right there looks like a good place to take a nap. <laughs> and, but he kept himself going. He thought about it. I know he thought about it. And I was, he said, I may have to lay down in here, here for a couple of minutes. And I was like, okay, just let me know. But he never did. We did stop one time um, so that uh, he had some tightness in his right knee area and lower thigh. And so we worked that out a little bit, kind of worked on his leg a little bit and just took a couple of minutes to kind of work that out and for him to catch his breath. Um, other than that, though, he pretty much kept moving. He never did lay down uh, except for that moment where we we're working on the leg there. Um, but as far as catching any Z's, he really didn't. Um, he was really tired and, and mentioned that several times and kind of was zoning in and out a little bit. But uh he never did actually lay down, even though we talked about, man, the, the hammock would fit really good between those two trees. <laughs> yeah. No, there was a lot of that and a lot of man under that tree looks like a great place to take a nap. But, uh, oh, but yeah, I yeah. Hand it to him, man. He's tough as nails. He just kept going, just kept pushing. He did. He powered through a lot. Um, it showed, it showed just freaking how tough you got to be to be out there on something like that. Um, and putting your body through that. Um, and man, I, I think the, he did take a couple naps in that last stretch with us. Um, and we're talking two to five minutes on the naps. And I know that sounds crazy to anybody that doesn't know the ultra world, but, um, he woke up like revitalized, fired back up, motivated to get going again. Um, and he had a few of those while we were out there. So making sure he didn't sleep too long was one of the things that we were having to do as pacers, um, and crew. And then along with that, um, it as crazy as it sounds whenever you're out there doing this you forget to eat you forget to drink um so we're out there reminding him to to get on his hydration and his nutrition um helping keep him in line um monitoring when he was getting too cold or too hot helping him make sure he got gear on and off and all that good stuff um besides that um some of the other things were and you're just, you're delirious out there. You are tired to the point of sometimes falling asleep on your feet um, and staggering around, being very uncoordinated. And we were about to go on Mount Eldon up there with some very steep ledges and drop-offs and uh, unsure footing. So that was something we were really worried about leading up to that as well. Um, right. But man, we, we kicked around in the foothills for five or six miles um, and then rolled up towards the, uh, towards the lookout trail um and started our ascent up towards eldon uh, we passed passed and uh, got passed by a couple of different runners in there some people moving really really well that late in the race um and some people really struggling with that climb where dan was still in a bind because his feet were killing him and he was extremely tired but i mean even with that there were sections where he was just powering through just power hiking up those hills it was insane um and yeah, we, we gained a few thousand feet of elevation climbing up to Eldon, um, had to lay down, take a couple naps at times, um, had to get up there and kind of take a break and get some nutrition back in his body because he was starting to really feel the, feel the pain of not having anything in his system. And it was, 
just switch back super steep all the way up lasted for a couple of miles um and a few mi- probably a few miles on the climb until we got to within one mile of the uh the ridge line up there and then it just went super super steep and it was just switching back and forth over and over and over and he got up there and man we we took a small break every once in a while but for the most part he powered through it and um getting towards the top i mean we come up on a lot of people caught up to some different people made those snow crossings where we were making sure we didn't slip because the the top layer of the snow had kind of melted and it formed ice and everything and by that time we're also getting hit up on the ridge line with like 50 60 mile an hour gusts of wind that are literally pushing you around up there um so it was crazy but um we were able to make sure he got up there and kept going um had an awesome awesome kind of emotional uh moment whenever we got up to the top uh just overcoming that massive obstacle um and he'll talk more at length on that i'm sure because uh, that was a huge point um and then once we got to the top we snapped some pictures just for a uh, good time's sake and memory's sake and everything um and started our descent down just a little bit um before you start going down the entire mountain uh you head over to the aid station you've got to kind of cross at an uneven elevation there's a couple of rolling ups and downs uh, but the worst part was you end up in an open area out there uh, where that wind just just destroys you just smacks you right from the side um to the point of just to illustrate how bad it was they were trying to fly a drone over for the live feed to come watch us cross the path and we heard that sucker just wow wide open trying to get to us and then it disappeared and they tried to do it again and we heard it get closer that time but they finally gave up and we made it the last quarter or third of a mile to the aid station um, up there at eldon and they had some great food up there you know they had uh they had ribs at that point last aid station of the race um you just fought a hard battle to get up to the top of there um, and they had ribs they had sausage wraps they had all kinds of different good stuff up there that we really needed so we got him fed I ate some food as well. We had his feet taped up because he was fighting some blisters and some things. Um, and we made it up there uh, with just about an hour left before sunrise or sunset, maybe a little bit less than that. Um, so from that point on, we knew if we hung around up there, it was going to get real, real cold. Um, and already started getting cold on us. So we packed our gear on a little bit, some of our winter gear, cold weather gear, um, and started our way down the mountain you know, uh, kicked out of the aid station pretty quick and just started jetting. Um, he'd been fighting some stuff. And of course with the big uphill, he hadn't been able to run in a while. So coming off the backside of that mountain, he, uh, he was fired up, motivated, and he actually ran probably 90% of the downhill on the backside of that mountain, uh, which is still just beyond crazy to me at that point in that race. That's incredible. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's tough. Yeah, especially being a big guy like he is, tall, um, yeah. it takes a little bit more impact on the dang legs like that, you know. But it, it does. The downhills are tougher on him for sure on his body. But yeah, he's tough. He like I said, he's tough as nails. Yeah, no, and he he did a phenomenal job coming out of there. Um, and from that age station, we had like eight point six left to the top up there. Um, and uh, and when I say top, that's the finish line up at Flagstaff. Um, so he powered through two and a half miles downhill, uh, just trucking along, wanting to get through. 
And by the time we got to the bottom, man, uh, sun was starting to go down. You hit switch back to a single track. It was getting dark and hard to see the trail markers. Uh, and we had a few people around us actually get lost uh, in there. And luckily they were able to track our headlamps and see where we ended up because we found the trail eventually down there um, with the help of the watch navigation and everything. And uh, man, we kept trucking down through the foothills again, a uh, little bit of ups and downs all on the single track trail out there. Um, like I said, had some people around us a couple times through there, but man, by the time it got dark, it's, it's weird and crazy to me. Like whenever the sun came up on y'all, I'm sure it was kind of an uplifting, a little bit of motivating deal. Right. 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 Sort of moving a little bit better. It was definitely. And a lot of people say that in those races, like, make the the nighttime before you get to this to the sunrise are really tough times you, you just want to you just want to slow down you want to stop but when the sun comes up it kind of gives you renewed energy and and i think he felt a little bit of that that's why i think we were able to power through that section and he didn't really he didn't really uh didn't lay down to take a nap at all you know and just kind of made himself keep going so i think that sun coming up did give him some energy for sure yeah, and with the Kelly Aid Station and everything on the ridge line, but then also coming down that last hill, uh, going back into Flagstaff, by the time we hit the bottom, the sun was setting and it got real dark on us, and which was great because we got off the mountain in time. We didn't really hit the cold weather. That was like just terrible, terrible. Um, so it played out really well, right? Um, but with that, it brought down kind of a little bit of tiredness he his body just right. kind of <laughs> and came down you know and uh he he was getting to the point of being back out of it you know we were just trudging along i think he was kind of just zombie walking um getting through some of those sections i'd keep i got in front of him at that point trying to kind of guide him and keep him motivated and keep him looking at me and, and headed in the right direction i was talking to him trying to keep his mind on things and I think we ended up doing some caffeine strips and some other things like that, uh, some food with caffeine in it, trying to get him just motivated and pushing along and everything. Um, and it was an absolute grind. At that point, we had like five miles left or something back to the uh, finish line and then just trudging along uh, over uneven trail and, and having to pay attention where you put your feet. And as we got closer and closer, uh, he kept asking me how, how far we were out. And I, I just, told him, Hey, we got, we got four miles here. We got three miles or three and a half miles here. And he'd get just like, man, that's so crazy. And, and he'd kind of get down because it still had so much left, but um, yeah. your, your mind doesn't process that you've already gone 247 miles. So yeah, he did that with me too, on our section of it how far is where's the aid station at and you could tell it kind of but yeah you know you're, you're looking any little nugget at that point when you're in that point of the race toward the end of any little positive nugget can kind of power you on to go but on the other side of that any little negative thinking about it uh, can pull you down real quick so it's it's tough you know to keep your mind like you're saying you've already ran 200 and x amount of miles already so but you're you have a lot of emotions and a lot of mental games going on in your head so that's why it's also, it's good to be able to say some things that give him a little positive pump here and there and just give him a little, get a little bit ounce more of energy out of him in certain spots or whatever, when he's feeling, you know, low or he's feeling challenged, you can kind of tell. So uh, it, the mental side of it gets, plays a lot, you know, big, huge part in finishing a race like that. It, it does. And that's exactly right. I mean, uh, 
whenever we were out there, you and I both talked about it, just trying to focus on the positive and everything we could um, focus on the reasons he was doing what he was doing. Um, that race offered him a lot of closure in some parts of his life. I'll let him get into that if he wants to, um, or if he doesn't want to, that's fine as well. Uh, but he, he gave me his reason for, for doing the race. And uh, he also had grace out there and a great support system as well. Um, and, we just kept reiterating those reasons for him pushing on and finishing this thing, you know? Um, and the thing about the negative side is too, uh, you can talk about as a pacer, you can talk about how much something sucks, but you need to spin it in a positive way, or it needs to be a joke. You know, if you're laughing about it and it's in a positive place and positive energy around it, that's all perfectly fine. But whenever you're out there pacing, and you just both get down like, man, my legs are so sore. This sucks. Like it's so cold. Like if it's got the negative exactly. connotation and it's bringing, like it's sucking energy out of people, you cannot have that going on at all. That's exactly right. Even though my legs weren't feeling the greatest, I didn't tell him that. I just kept, I just kept letting him know I'm right here behind you. I'm pushing you. I'm right here with you. And just, just kept on. We were, like I said, we were talking about all kinds of stuff and just, life or whatever and then uh, just something to keep our minds going and keep the keep it off of the pain or whatever was going on in his head and um you know and you just take one step at a time next thing you know you're at the aid station so it's it's all about that kind of stuff you know it, it's it's cool you learn a lot pacing and um you see how my some of the things i take away from it is you now i've done 100 mile race and then i had some dark moments in my race and you helped me get through those moments and then I got to see Dan going through this, this massive 250 mile race. And I saw him going through dark moments and I could relate in some areas of that and, and could feel like I could help him see it. But I was also learning at the same time because I want to do some more stuff. So, but, but being able to see that and experience that race with him, I mean, it was a blessing to me. It was a, it was a experience that you, you just can't get unless you'd go do it. And so uh, it's priceless, it really was priceless. Genuinely. Yeah, no, it, it was, there's nothing else like that. And just going out there and being able to help somebody, you know, and just for no other reason than, Hey, I want to get out here and try to help you get through this thing if I can, you know, um, and thoroughly enjoyed every bit of it. Uh, but we, uh, we got a couple minutes left here before we got to shut it down, but, uh, just want to, want to round it out. You know, we came up with about three miles left into Buffalo park, started seeing lights, started hearing dogs barking, getting close to the city. We knew we were close by um and with the caffeine strips he kind of came back mentally a little bit uh, as we got closer and man with with two miles left we got or two and a half miles left up in buffalo park um i think he could smell the finish line out there and man he yeah. decided to pick it up and started doing some running again just after all of that he was out there still running still trucking along putting down our awesome pace um and we jogged it in for a long, long time uh, before we stopped and did some walking coming into Flagstaff, um, had a couple of crosswalks to get to, and then came around the corner. And uh, that's where the chase cam picked us up for the live stream um, and had a few people back home watching us run in on the live stream on YouTube with the um, era Viper racing that was putting on. And it was just phenomenal, you know, um, getting to capture every moment and the emotions of that finish. And, and he ran it in, uh, rounded the corner and came into the corral and across the finish line and knocked it out. And there you go. 250. It was, it was an awesome moment. It was just, we saw you guys pop up on, on the, they had a monitor there so we could see the camera guy when he come up behind you. So we saw that first thing and it was cool. 
And then we saw your headlamps turn the corner and come to coming down the street to us. So it was just uh, the adrenaline, the excitement was just going crazy. And uh, I mean, it was just, it was unbelievable, just unbelievable. And to see, to see him finish that thing, to finish that, that task he started out on, you know, Monday, finishing that thing Friday night was just, it was just unbelievable. It was just, I don't like that word either, but it was just, it was just great. It was fantastic. I'm so happy for, I'm so happy for Dan, you know, and, and I'm happy for Grace. They make a great team. She did outstanding. She paced him for almost 70 miles herself. Yeah, uh, absolutely. So uh, there, it was just a phenomenal experience. Dan was, congratulations, brother. That was just outstanding. Yeah. Now to, to say the, the very least, man, you, you killed that race. Um, and we're thankful that you let us be a part of that. Uh, there's a lot of crazy emotions, a lot of different things we went through uh, just being on it. So I can't imagine what that looks like. Uh, but one thing I do want to touch on is you've inspired us. Um, both of us are extremely motivated coming out of that. We're looking at what's next in line for us. Um, KD 225 coming in October, uh, super stoked about that. And, you know, hopefully, hopefully looking at Cocodona next year for, for one, or maybe even two of us, who knows? Um, but it, it's done nothing but inspire us and help push us along this journey that we're on already, man. And, and I can't tell you, thank you enough. Um, it was a phenomenal race. It was a blessing to be a part of it and, and just a fantastically enjoyable weekend. Absolutely. Yeah. It was cool, man. Yeah. Well, do you have anything else from the Pacer perspective? I'm sure we'll pick up all the other details and get into the, uh, the other 190 miles with Dan here in just a little bit, but I wanted to put something out to y'all, make sure that y'all know what we have going on here, but you got anything else pops? We got about a minute left, man. It was just a great experience. I'm so glad it was a great weekend to be able to spend it out there with Dan and with grace and and out there with you. Um, It was just, it was just one for the ages, man. I'm I'll never forget it. It was fantastic. Not could not agree more, man. Uh, uh, always blessed to be out there with you. It's cool to to have each other out there and pick each other up and and be able to pass that on to somebody like Dan and to Grace and to just help them get through this crazy, crazy race and these crazy events that they're doing. You know, and I look forward to being out there on the trail with them and enjoying some time. And man, it's it's just been really, really fun. And I'm looking forward to seeing what we get into. Absolutely, and you next year in the Cocodona probably. That's right. Yes, sir. Well, man, Pops, I enjoyed it. Thank you for coming on and recapping this thing with me. Oh, thank you. Enjoyed it. Anytime. All right, right, man. Well, you take it easy. All right, guys. I hope you all enjoyed that awesome recap episode with my dad, Mr. Billy Pitts. We're super excited to get Dan on here and hear his side of the entire story, plus about his journey like we talked about before. Uh, Guys, if you're interested in any of the races that we mentioned, give us a shout. That's at Next in Line Development on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok. Please leave a rating or review or comment or like or subscribe. Just interact with us. Help us pop up in that search bar a little bit earlier as people look for personal development and self-help type podcast, guys. Thank you to everyone who has supported us along the way and always be prepared for whatever is next in line.